Folks, welcome to Vintage Baseball Reflections. I am Tom, the baseball nostalgia guy, bringing you these treasured pieces. Do you miss the good old days of listening to baseball through radios? It was a classic pastime that stood for decades and shaped how we cherish baseball in our heroes. These stories are from a moment in time that were heard by fans just like you. They are uncut, unfiltered, simply here for you to enjoy. So I just want you to enjoy this reflection on baseball history. From Day to DeRocher to Row, it's Double Play with DeRocher and Day. With our guest, Preacher Row, here's another chapter of Double Play with DeRocher and Day. Welcome to another visit with baseball's most exciting and controversial couple, Lorraine Day and Leo DeRocher, with their guest for today, Preacher Rowe. At the moment, Leo and the Preacher are concluding a momentous and far-reaching business transaction. Okay, Preach, everything's all set. It's a deal. It's a deal, Leo. All right. Wonderful. Oh, Leo, what have you done now to Preacher? Sold him the Brooklyn Bridge? Me sell him the Brooklyn Bridge? He sold it to me. Well, if the preacher can sell Leo the Brooklyn Bridge, we can certainly sell you on the following message. And now back to Double Play with Leo DeRocher and Lorraine Day and their guest for today, Preacher Rowe. Fans, I'm sure that most of you know Preacher Rowe, the great left-handed pitcher of the Brooklyn Dodgers. In fact, I guess he's uh, just about the best left-handed pitcher in the National League. It seems to me that in 1951, you... You almost broke the record, didn't you, Preach? Almost, yes. Got to the last week. <laughs> well, you had a great record anyway. What was your record, Preach? Uh, uh, until... 23 uh, and 20? Uh, 22 and 2 until the last week. And then I lost in Boston. Oh. I was supposed to not let Cooper hit the ball, you see? Yeah. In other words, uh, put him on. Yeah. And if he didn't reach out and get the base hit that beat me... You mean he just, you, you were trying to pass him intentionally? Pass, no, well, one of those uh, intentional, unintentional kind, you know. Yeah, that's right. Now, don't give him a good one to hit. But uh, I've been pitching 14 years. I should know what to do. And I, I the ball was a foot from the plate, but he got the base He hit. still got the bat on yes. it. Yes. I imagine the manager wants to jump right out of the dugout. Well, I didn't blame him, would you? No, I, I'd be probably wanted to jump right out of the ballpark. Yes, I almost did. You were a little mad yourself. I know that. Very Preach. mad. Yes. I can see that. You know, Priest, that you're, you're the first guest on the show who... Uh, isn't as good a hitter as Leo? Just oh, I wouldn't say that. Well, he only hits 220. Everyone we've had on this show can now Wait a minute now, Preach. You're the uh, only one who can. Let me say something. I'm not supposed to hit. Now, he played regular, and I'm hitting half as much as he did. He hit 220. I'm hitting 110, so that's not too bad, Oak. Just a minute now, Preach. After all, let me have someone get on the show that I out-hit. I mean, just for his morale, Preach. He's got to have that. Well, who would get <laughs> Why do they call you preacher? Uh, well, it's a long story, but I can make it short. When I was three years old, uh, my uncle had never seen me, and uh, he said, Preach, what's your name? Or he said, Preach. He couldn't have said that, could he? But he said, Young fellow, what's your name? And uh, no, I'm not going to tell you. You said I'm not going to tell uh, you? And he said, I'll give you a nickel. I'll never forget the nickel. So I said, Preacher, no one knows why. It's a good one. It stayed with you. It stayed with you, and I mean, you've done very well with it, I'll tell you that. I know probably a lot of our fans think that at one time you were a preacher or that you were going to be a preacher. But well, it was a lot of them do think that, but uh, really that's the way it happened. Your real name is Elwin, isn't it? That's right. Of course, well, I don't know whether I should like that or not. I, I didn't like it at the time. <laughs> Evidently, you didn't when you were 
three years old. We might as well get the ball rolling with this question from William Fuller. And he says, what is the pitch that Preacher Rowe throws that breaks straight down? Well, uh, I have two, two pitches in particular that he could mean. Uh, in the first place, I throw a different assortment of curves. And one curveball in particular, if I throw it overhand, breaks straight down. And then I throw an overhand slider that breaks straight down. Uh, the sliders are faster than the two pitches, but the curve breaks more. So I don't know which one uh, he could mean there. Probably the curveball. Well, Preacher, he couldn't possibly mean this, um, this spitball that everyone in the National League accuses you of throwing, could he? May, uh, may throw a spitball. Oh, now, look, Preacher, oh, that's a very good question. Now, wait look a minute. off your face. This now, isn't that... news to you. I'm sure that uh, every club you've pitched against has, has put up a big beef about this. Now, come on. No, come they, clean. No, no, they haven't really. Now, uh, I'll tell you that St. Louis uh, puts up quite a beef, and... Uh, Cincinnati. And, of course, I hear it occasionally from individual hitters. Uh, not the good hitters. I'll say that. Uh, Stan Musial, for instance, uh, he'll never say a word. I don't care what the pitch is. He said if it's near the plate, I'll hit it. And he does. Well, I know one thing. Uh, I know one thing to, to help answer your question there, uh, Preach. I know that uh, that I've got quite a pitcher on the New York Ball Club also in Sal Magley. Yes, you have. And uh, uh, Luke Sewell, uh, the Cincinnati manager... Uh, when we were in Cincinnati uh, in this last Western trip, accused Magley of throwing a spitter. And I never will forget the remark that Lee Bellantan, who was the umpire behind the plate on that particular night game, and he said uh, to Sewell after about the fifth inning, he said, uh, Mr. Sewell, come up here. And uh, I run up to the plate because Magley was getting aggravated, I mean, calling for the ball every inning. And so when Sewell got up there, uh, Ballantyne put his hand on the shoulder and he said, uh, I think I can give it almost word for word, he said, uh, Mr. Sewell, you better tell your hitters that Mr. Magley is striking them out with curveballs. They're not spitters. The good hitters don't complain and I think that the other hitters should be alert enough at the plate that they're ready to hit it if it is a spitter. Uh, after all, uh, they've taken everything away from the pitchers today and they've given the hitters a little bit of an advantage at the plate. Uh, Leo, I'm, I'm proud you said that because uh, you're the only man that I've heard say it. The pitchers haven't uh, been given as much as the hitters. But every rule that's been passed in the last 10 years has been uh, for the hitters. No, they've taken away the strike zone. They've lowered it. And you, uh, you have to thread the eye of a needle today to keep from walking if in. If the ball is a little dark, uh, any kind of place on it, to throw it out. And uh, if the ball doesn't travel true to its course, the hitter hollers and they, they look at that ball and the... And a lot of people get the idea to look for the ball then. But they invariably throw it out uh, if there's a mark on it. And, of course, I'll say this about you. Uh, I, I know you've done it to me as well. You, you've hollered to look at the ball, and you try to get me riled up. Oh, I always do that. I know. Uh, we got to take that consideration. So uh, I, I just don't pay any attention to it, uh, Leo. I hope the hitter looks for it, because that's one more guess he's got to make when I'm shaking my head. Well, I've, and, uh, I've told the hitter oh, on my club, Speaking of free. shaking your head, you know when a catcher is giving you a signal, and you shake it off, and then he gives you another signal, and you shake it off? Pretty soon you've shaken off all the signals, evidently, and he comes out to the mound. Well, uh, what do you do out there? Why do you keep shaking off the signals to bring him out? You must want to pitch something. She said, I must want to pitch something. Uh, I tell Liz that sometimes I'd rather not. So the catcher comes and says, you know, maybe Thompson's hitting. Uh, he's a pretty good boy to mention. 
Or used to in Irving. You remember how you hit Oh, me? yeah, money. All right, the cafe had run out. Why you want to throw for each? And I'd say, just between us, I'd rather not throw it. <laughs> and, uh, sometimes it's about that way. But you answer the question, Lee. Well, I think uh, when, when the pitcher keeps shaking his head, honey, it's to confuse the hitter. In other words, if the count is two balls and one strike and uh, the catch goes down and gives a fastball sign, uh, the pitcher may shake his head no. Then they'll give the curve and the pitcher will shake his head no. Then they'll come right back and give the fastball and the pitcher says yes. He wants to throw that all the time, but he'd rather shake his head a couple of times to let the hitter at the plate say, well, I wonder what he's going to throw me, uh, a fastball, a curve, a change of pace. It confuses the hitter. Well, certain like, hitters. It's certain, certain hitters, hitters you can do it. Will, yes, but how about a, a few words now from a fellow who has a great record? And now back to double play with DeRocher and Day. Tell me, Preach, do you ever do any experimenting when you're out on the mound? I mean, like, um, you know, a new hitter comes up, someone you haven't faced before, and, and they tell you that he's a high fastball hitter or a low fastball hitter. Do you ever throw him one of those to find out if it's true? Do just a little bit of uh, yes, checking Yes, I do. Up? I did. Uh, the other day in a game against the Cardinals, I did, Rain. Uh, they got a young fellow named Miggins. And, uh, of course, I went along, I got a six to nothing lead, and... Uh, Fourth inning, I believe it was, and that's uh, uh, I tell you, I thought I'd beat them because when the, usually when I get four runs, I feel pretty cocky out there and feel I can beat them. But uh, so this day uh, they got a man on and Megan's up, and I'm going to experiment and see if he can hit this particular pitch. They said uh, not throw it, and uh, I threw it to him. Of course, he hit it up in the seats. Two <laughs> runs. <laughs> wasn't too funny. I wound up Leo in the clubhouse, and we beat them fourteen to, to four. And I'm in there talking to the clubhouse man. <laughs> you got knocked out of the box that same yeah, inning? That same it. inning. I started with an experiment to Megan's, and uh, I wound up in the clubhouse. Well, <laughs> you, you know, the, uh, that reminds me of a story, Preach, that uh, happened during the World Series in, in 1934. This goes back a long time, Preach, when I was playing shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, you know the fellow I'm going to talk about, the great Dizzy Dean. And uh, Diz was pitching for us, and we had Delancey catching, and, and Frankie Frisch, who was the manager of the club, was playing second base. And uh, we had the Detroit club beat in the seventh and final game of the World Series, uh, nine to nothing. And I think it was about the seventh inning. And uh, as I say, Diz pitching, Delancey catching, and Greenberg, who uh, couldn't hit Dizzy Dean when Diz had wind up and thrown that sidearm fastball and get it high inside. Big Hank just couldn't get the bat on it. And we pitched in there all during the series, and especially Diz, and he had great success against him. And So finally, here comes Greenberg at the plate, and Delancey goes down, as he always did, and he, one, this is no, two, no, three, no, four, wiggle his fingers for a slow curve, and Diz still shook his head no. So Delancey said, like that, we start all over. One, no, two, no, three, no, four, no. Well, Delancey said the umpire tied. So Frisch and myself, we both walked into the mound, and Diz went back and got the rosin bag, was patting it. Delancey says, well, that's all you got. What are you going to do, throw your shoe up here? He says, you haven't got anything else to throw. And Diz said, uh, 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 Hubble is no better pitcher than I am. He said, I'd like to throw him a screwball, he says. I think I can get him out. Now, he wanted to experiment in a World Series game against Greenberg. And finally, Frisch says, get back in there. You know, Frank, uh, we could close this show very quickly if I was to use some of the language that Frank used. Frank said, you get in there and pitch and throw in that high fast one inside. So Diz deliberately just wound up and threw him a high fast one right there.
there, letter high, out away from him, right where you're not supposed to pitch it. And Greenberg hit a line drive right back by his ear in the center field. And Diz just turned around, looked at Frisch and myself, and he just, you're right. He can hit it. <laughs> you know, you had to prove to Dizzy Dean that you could hit a certain pitch. Scouts are usually right, aren't they, when they say don't throw him here? Well, I tell you, when there. you have a when you get the information on a certain hitter that he can't hit a low one on a fast one, or an inside one or an outside one, as Preach knows, uh, the uh, report is pretty accurate. And if you go against it nine out of ten times, you're going to be wrong. You're going to end up in the clubhouse. Well, fellas, I'm sorry we could go on forever like this, but we've just run out of time, <laughs> and uh, we have to say goodbye now to our fans. So. And don't forget, Preach, give me a receipt for that Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, you right guys. Up. All right. So long. <laughs> to another chapter of Double Play with baseball's most exciting couple, Lorraine Day and Leo DeRocher. Today, Lorraine and Leo had as their guest, Preacher Rowe. Join us when again it's time for Double Play with Leo DeRocher and Lorraine Day, plus another big-time guest star. Double Play is produced and directed by Ted Nealon and is a Martez production.